The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. It is 4.07 on the Central Coast. As we roll through the afternoon on this Monday, January 23rd, 2023, I am Dave Congleton. Hope you'll stick around still to come on this broadcast at 5.05. Richard Rosales and Jim Shivers join us from Caltrans. Plenty to hear, plenty to talk about with the folks from Caltrans. And then Sam Cotton checks in at 6.05. We've got uh, singer Bobby Rush is going to join us tomorrow. He's one of the performers in the Voices of Mississippi show coming to Cal Poly on February 1st. And we'll give you a chance to score some free tickets to that. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. Now, the basis of this next segment is twofold. Number one, we have talked a lot on this broadcast about electricity here in California, particularly the shift over to electric cars, what Governor Newsom wants to do by the year 2035. Number two, just last week, we had the uh, the conversation with Annie Lorenzen about how cities want to get rid of gas stoves. And they want everybody to go electric. Okay, okay, okay. But here's my question for you. What about the grid? And does California's pit power grid, can it sustain this increase in power? Or are we in trouble? Why am I talking when Dr. Gene Nelson is back with us? Dr. Nelson, how are you, sir? Very good, Dave, and very glad to be uh, here in the studios. Thanks for joining us. I'm sure you've pondered these questions in recent years. Well, even recently, I had to drive up uh, with my wife uh, to UC Davis. Uh, So that meant on Thursday, driving in rush hour traffic um, and seeing just really how crazy, you know, we're, we're get, we get spoiled here in San Luis Obispo, uh, but just how crazy uh, c- congested driving can be. Um, and just one little section, I have one of these little things up on my windshield so I can um, uh, register for, for the, you know, pay tolls and stuff like that. Um, and I saw just on one section of my commute that if you wanted to set your thing so you only had one person and you take the HOV lane, uh, it would cost you only $10. $10. And that's just part of a trip. And I imagine many people would, would take multiple segments and then, of course, multiply that by two. Uh, I mean, this is... We're talking some craziness here, but I'm, today, again, I'm going to talk about the grid. Right. And for the layperson like myself, when we talk about the grid, doctor, what exactly does that refer to? Well, it's uh, one of the ways to describe it is it's the biggest machine on Earth. Uh, it is the con- collection of the generation, the control equipment, the transmission equipment, and the distribution equipment that makes it so that when you flick that switch on your wall, the light comes on. Yeah. But it's it's really a very amazing um, set of uh, machines. And I know you were asking me just before we yeah, got how, on the air. How old is it? How old is it? Well, there's elements in uh, California's grid, because the climate is relatively nice here, that are a century old. 
a century old. And, you know, I've, I've, when I was uh, living in the New York City area, uh, I got to see uh, an amazing piece of old machinery. It was, a, it was designed to pro- provide the DC power uh, to run the subway cars. And it was this big, monstrous machine, stands about uh, 11 feet tall, um, perfectly balanced, run really quietly, but it was a motor generator. Um, so that because back uh, when they designed that subway system, which again about a century ago, uh, it all ran on DC, which of course it still does. But mm. anyway, that's the kind of legacy that we're dealing with: is really old equipment, and some of it designed really well, to, so it will last. But we're proposing, or I'm going to just say, some nameless bureaucrats. It's not just Governor Newsom. It's a bunch of people who who have said, "Oh yeah, we've got a problem and we got to solve it now." So when we talk about fixing the grid, is it re- replacing the equipment or is it expanding it or is it a combination of both? It's expanding it really. Okay. Um, and you know, as an example, uh, one of the things that I covered as an interested person uh, was what's called reconductoring to be able to. Put uh, to take a high tension system that feeds San Luis Obispo, and they put in bigger wires. And PG&E did that, I guess, now about uh, six or seven years ago. And I went out actually on a couple of days and 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 sort of t- chatted with some people um, that you know work crews and things like that to really get an understanding. It's it's tough tough hard work. It's not something that be, can be done overnight, um, and it's stuff that. You know, I've been learning about uh, when I've been talking with people at the Public Utilities Commission in in San Francisco. So I guess the the key question of the hour, Doctor, becomes, all right, we want to expand electric cars. We want to expand the electric uh, stoves. Mm -hmm. Do we have the infrastructure currently in place? Well, I want to give you the quick answer. Mm -hmm. And that quick answer is no. And I want to now explain why, why the answer is no. Um, and I want to first actually quote from an article which uh, just came out. It's titled, this is from the Orange County Register from the 22nd. It's called, Here's Why Your Gas Bills Are So Much Higher Right Now. And so this reporter is uh, interviewing a uh, Sean Hyatt, Associate Professor, USC Marshall School of Business. He specializes in global energy. And here's what he has to say. Um, We snub fossil fuel power plants and natural gas stores facilities in our quest to quell global warming. But we don't yet have enough reliable, and then she goes to italics here, and affordable energy to replace them. It's like taking a ship into harbor, but before getting to the dock, saying, everybody off now. Uh, What happens is... Everyone falls in the water, and so here we are, soaked. And that's not a good way to run business for the state. Again, if the state were a separate nation, it would now be the fourth largest in the world when you look at what's called the gross state product. I mean, it's really a big economy, and it all depends on reliable energy. Well, the article I sent you out of calmatters.org, collapsing all this, in order for us to pull this off, there has to be an increase in electric chargers for cars by 15 times uh, 
Uh, we have to get drivers to start charging their cars in off-peak hours. Massive increase in both solar and wind. Okay, so I'm going to go over the last one first okay. because that's just that's just greenwashing. Greenwashing. Greenwashing, meaning it's to try to make something that really, you know, a lot of people are now taking offense about those nasty fossil fuels yeah. and say, oh, yeah, well, let's, we're going to put in windmills and we're going to put in solar. Um, and there's absolutely no way, number one, that we can do that, the supply chain, uh, because, uh, you know, there's big problems with supply chain, including, you know, such nasty little things as uh, the uh, enslavement of Uyghurs uh, in, in communist China um, that, uh, you know, we now, the U.S. legislature said, no, we can't really uh, uh, give a, a green light to slavery. Uh, so we don't want uh, those uh, panels. And so apparently there is uh, large numbers of those panels now uh, stuck in uh, containers um, at ports uh, in the United States because of that issue. But that's just one small piece of it. The real big bugaboo is something called inflation. Uh, and inflation both in the cost of energy, because producing solar and wind are very energy intensive, uh, and, you know, for example, all the iron that you need for those those big towers and support structures and so on, uh, as well as the silicon, um, as well as the high-tech uh, windmill turbines uh, and the high-tech uh, generators. Uh, anyway, all that stuff, um, we're seeing that since 2019, prices have been going up and up and up. Uh, some companies have already gone out of business because uh, because of this large increase. And... Everything that uh, I see in terms of what's going on for the future says those inputs will continue to inflate. There are there's nothing there's nothing magic on the horizon that's going to reduce the cost of energy. So the, the idea that somehow or another we can do solar and wind is just just really a non-starter. But it sounds good, and of course there's a fundamental problem. The sun doesn't always shine directly overhead, yeah. and the wind doesn't always blow hard enough to turn those wind turbines. And so, as a result, we have a um, you know you have too much power in the middle of the day. It's low quality power. Uh, you can't just run the grid with it because of some technical reasons. But uh, it's really um, it's junk. Dr. Gene Nelson, if we could only get him to take an opinion on this stuff. <laughs> Dr. Nelson is here. We're talking about California and our desire to get rid of fossil fuels and to get rid of gas stoves. Okay, but here's a legitimate question. What is the condition of our power grid across the state, and can we handle the increase in demand? Dr. Nelson is here to cast doubt on that. Your phone call still to come. I'd stick around. Keep listening, please, to Hometown Radio. KVEC. Uh, we're talking about power, we're talking about electricity, we're talking about the grid and whether or not our grid in California can handle future challenges, whether it's from electric cars or electric stoves. Dr. Gene Nelson, remind us, doctor, what your Ph.D. is in. I have a Ph.D. in radiation biophysics. That works for me. All right. What do you make of this new emphasis on getting rid of gas stoves and just focusing on electric stoves? I think it's a stupid idea. Um and the reason why is just has to do with something called thermodynamics. Um, if you look at any big power plant, um, we're talking a gas plant, a coal plant, a Diablo Canyon, they're only about 33% efficient. 
So you put in heat energy, and only one-third of that energy comes out and flows over the wires. Well, most people are going to put in a regular electric stove, and that essentially we have it. We can assign that an efficiency of one. Um, but the problem is you've got to use three times as much fuel as you did before because you're, you still have that thermodynamic inefficiency at the power plant, and, and we can't get past that. That's just plain old. It's, it's stuff that people have been working on for, for well over a century. What uh, is a redundant energy grid? Okay, so thanks for asking that question. So the idea, this is something that Robert Bryce is championing. He, and he is? He, he, is, uh, he writes, uh, a, he does a podcast called Power Hungry. I All recommend right. it highly. All right. um, and writes, uh, he writes lots of books, and, and he's on the on the lecture circuit, but his idea is really that if we you know think about you know our our homes here in San Luis Obispo, and let's just imagine they're like mine. They have a gas furnace and they have a gas stove, and they've got a gas water heater. Now, what is what's actually flowing into my house is I've got one grid that uh, is PG&E gives me electricity, and the second grid is SoCal gas that supplies me um, you know, natural gas. I'm probably getting about an equal amounts of energy when you look at the what are called uh, BTUs um, for the electricity grid and the uh, natural gas grid. But the advantage is that if one of them goes on the fritz, I might still be able to function. So, for example, um, you know, power grid goes out, I can hook up a generator and run my gas heater. Because you have options. Because I've got options and we have a redundant grid. And that's uh, really what we need. On the Stolberg-Tatum text line, isn't the upgrading of the U.S. power grid the largest part of President Biden's $21 billion infrastructure bill designed to employ tens of thousands with all American-made equipment? Well, that I, I, I think it's going to take a long time to roll that out. And you know, I talked before the break about supply chain problems. Let's just think about one of the most important ones, which are these big transformers. And if you've gone past a substation like and there's one near Button Willow, um, and you see these big monstrous things with the big uh, insulators sticking out of the top of them, those are transformers. And right now, the backlogs for those transformers are three to five years. Mm. So so that's definitely trouble. Jim is in Aurora Grande on KVEC. Hi, Jim. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Good. Yeah, I totally agree. Gas is the way to go because if the grid goes out, I can still use my, my lighter to, to, to run my stove. Also, I, I don't understand why San Luis Obispo is outlying new buildings with, without gas because what about fireplaces? I remember years ago we were outlawed wood-burning fireplaces, we had to go to gas. Now, can we not have any fireplaces? I mean, come on. Well, you can go to Costco and you can buy one of those fancy ones that plugs into the wall and makes it look like a fireplace. Yeah, and your electric bill is like $300 a month. Oh, those things just suck up the electricity. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. Well, yeah. What about what about hydroelectric power? I mean, I grew up in Fresno. We went to Big Creek all the time. We're losing fresh water out to the ocean after this big rainstorm. We need more dams and lakes. And well, we could have hydroelectric power. Well, the problem really is, it's it, it really hydropower is is solar power on steroids because it's solar power that provides that that vaporizes the water that eventually falls with snow and rain, and you get seasonality in that. 
And if you wanted to design a bunch of dams that would capture every drop of water, guess what? Come fall, they'd still be low, and some of them would be dry, and that's that's called a stranded asset when you look at uh, when you talk about ac- energy economics. What else, Jim? Is the simple answer for future electric electricity uh, of nuclear power? Because I think it is. Hey, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Thank you. Hi, right, Jim. Thanks for the call. Greg is in Paso. Hey, Greg. Hey, guys. Uh, I had two points. One was. Uh, I visit my mother in Hermosa Beach uh, every so often, and I always take a nice walk, a different change of scenery than up here, and I walk along a busy PCH, and uh, I see these, they can't be more than five years old, these nice public transit buses, and they've got on bold letters, it says, Run, runs on clean, burning, natural gas. So I wonder when it got dirty, when that natural gas got dirty. Yeah, that's uh, again. There's so much misinformation out there, um, and I'm a, a very strong backer of dispatchable power. Uh, that means uh, we really do need. Um, I think natural gas is going to be a great bridge fuel. Um, eventually, we might be able to go to everything all electric, but it's going to take a lot longer than some unelected bureaucrat has just said, oh, well, 2035 looks like a good number. Okay, let's go do that. Because I want to talk more about some of the particulars as to why that's just really a non-starter. Greg, what else do you want to say? Well, another point, I heard on those some of those, those large, large windmills that uh, they have a lot of oil in them to keep the turbines uh, uh, lubricated, and that once in a while, though, that oil gets, uh, something happens and that oil spills, and it, it's, it's quite a bit. I hear it's hundreds and hundreds of gallons. It's quite the environmental um, um, situation if something like that, and again, it's still using oil. It's like using another fuel to um, to run. I got about a minute. Okay, so that's really lubrication instead of fuel, uh, but it is flammable, and there's been some really tragic fires uh, aboard uh, on wind turbines where people have gotten killed because that stuff catches on fire. Greg, thanks for calling in. So if all this stuff goes ahead off Morro Bay, how long will it be before we actually get wind power from those platforms? I I really it's, it's going to be a long time. Like five it's, years, it's, ten no, years. No, 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 no. There's go, one of the things that we really have to think about is what about the whales? Um, we're already seeing massive whale die-offs in the east uh, f- that are connected with the construction of just a modest uh, wind farm off of Block Island, Rhode Island. Um, and the fortunately, the environmental community is starting to get concerned about that because some of those whales, we only have like hundreds left. They're they're close to extinction. And you put these things in the path of their migration, and and you got dead whales. All right, and we've got Dr. Gene Nelson on this broadcast talking about the power grid in California, news, traffic, and weather. Plus, Craig Hill with all that. And then we'll be back with more of our conversation, more of your phone calls. Happy Monday. This is Hometown Radio.
So to come on this broadcast, Richard Rosales and Jim Shivers from Caltrans spend the 5 o'clock hour with us. Uh, there's plenty to talk about with them. And plenty to talk about with my current guest. We're back with Dr. Gene Nelson here at my invitation. Uh, everybody wants to have electric cars in California. Everybody wants to get rid of gas stoves in California. Well, not everybody, but you know what I'm trying to say here. Okay, fine. But can we do this? Is this feasible? What is the actual status of our power grid? That's what we're talking about. 805-543-8830-800-549-5832. Before I go back to the phones, I think there's an important point to be made, Dr. Nelson. I just bought a brand new Honda Civic in 2020. I paid, oh, I don't know, 17000 maybe a little bit more than that. What would this cost me now for an electric car? Well, I have a little spreadsheet here that's showing me the prices of Teslas. The least expensive Tesla, Model 3, currently has a price of 43990 That's its base. If you wanted to get the autopilot feature, that, you'd only add $15,000 to that. I can't afford that. Uh, and then it, it goes all the way up to the Model X, whose base price is $109,990. Uh, those are price prices I don't think many people in California are going to be able to pay. And let's, that's really part of the unsustainability here of this idea. Let's take some calls. We've got Mark in San Luis. Hey, Mark. Hi, gentlemen. Hi, uh, thank you, Dave, uh, for bringing the doctor on. And, doctor, thank you. I, I think I've listened to the show a long time. This has been the first realistic uh, outlook of our energy that I've heard from guests on the show um, the Wall Street Journal, uh, even California Matters, uh, just wrote an article on uh, the inadequacy of the grid and the legislators. They they just they keep passing these mandates that aren't fulfillable. Our our energy prices are are twice as high as are sixty percent higher than most of areas in the United States, and and the mandates will not work. And it's going to just continue to wipe out the middle class and low, uh, lower income people, as you pointed out with the cars. Not not everyone is going to run out and buy uh, a new car. But uh, doctor, I, I I see twenty twenty five years before we even get close to what we need to do. What do you see on that time frame, doctor? I think you're wildly optimistic. Um, okay, and the reason why is that it's going to take a lot longer to build out the grid. And I think it's going to also take a lot longer to build truly reliable electric vehicles that can run for, you know, like uh, I've got a, 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 a Toyota RAV4, and it's got 264,000 miles on it right now. And it's running like a champ. Yeah. Uh, just It's, again, what I used to go up to Davison back without any problems whatsoever. I don't think you're going to see electric vehicles with those kinds of endurance uh, for probably decades. Mark? Well, I just, I, I don't see California businesses. I, Dave, when's the last time you heard of a big business relocating in California? I, I haven't heard of any in the last 10 years. I heard of people leaving, and one of the, in the Wall Street Journal, is they're afraid of our, our cost, our electrical grid, and the mandates. Because what the legislature wants to point to next is mandating certain companies have to go all electric. And, and they don't want to do that. And they can't afford it. And they know their employees can't afford it. Let I, me, I think yeah. it's going to be. Let me ask the professor. You see it as a factor that these kind of regulations keep businesses out? They're, they're moving businesses out of California, energy-intensive businesses. And, for example, just think about something absurd. A cement plant that runs on electricity? No way. 
They run. They use just huge amounts of natural gas right now, and that's how they're. To, you know, that's how you make cement efficiently. All right, Mark. Thank you. Eight zero five five four three eight eight three zero or eight hundred five four nine five eight three two. If you want to speak with Doctor Nelson, Allen's in San Luis. Hi, Allen. Hey, Dave. Hey, Doctor. Hey. Hey. What people don't realize is how much power is lost in transmission and storage. That's why we need to look for sources like the smaller nuclear reactors that can deliver on demand, because the further you have to transmit or the more energy you store, the more energy you waste. Yeah, that's called the, the, the issue for storage is round-trip efficiency. Um, and the best I've seen right now is, for example, Helms Pump storage at 75%. And some storage systems, it's 50%. So that means you, you're losing half of the power you put in if it's 50% efficient. Um, the power grids are most efficient when you don't have any storage at all. Well, uh, and, and again, those small modular reactors certainly are one of the things that we need um, Quite realistically, we're also going to continue to need natural gas running our power grid, which is what it's the, it's the buck of the muscle in the power grid right now in California. Alan. Yeah, one more point that every so often comes up. We worry about the grid going down. It can be from old equipment. It can be from sabotage. There was a recent incident of that. That's one reason we need a smaller system so that if one goes down, it doesn't shut down, say, all of California or the whole western part of the U.S. The system is really designed to prevent those what are called cascading failures. Uh, there's a lot of work that's been done to be able to quickly isolate uh, parts of the grid. So I don't see that as a risk. Uh, but clearly, you need to have multiple generators. Um, you typically have multiple pathways for power coming into the state. California has like a dozen pathways coming into the state right now. So, so um, right now, I think we're we have a grid that is quite remarkable. Its its reliability is called four nines. Uh, that means it's 99.99% of the time. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's right. pretty good. Alan, thank you. 805-543-8830 if you want to talk with Dr. Nelson. Don's in Arroyo Grande. Hi, Don. Hi, Dave. Hi, Hi Dr. Nelson. Hi. Um, one of the things I haven't heard, which is surprising to me, is Diablo knew about the potential decommissioning years ago, then we've now gone into the beginnings of decommissioning, and I've not heard PG&E or anybody else coming up with a replacement for Diablo, let alone for future expansion. And those plants to replace are 15 to 20 years before they actually come online. Yeah, and here our governor saying, oh, we're going to go all electric in 12 years. Uh, doesn't he have advisors? Well, uh, there's a lot of uh, – there's a concept called moral peril, which is you make decisions, but you don't pay the cost of those decisions. And, and that's really what's going down here. Um, and it's going to take a lot of people picking up that phone and talking to their elected representatives and saying, hey, uh, this is unrealistic, what you're proposing. And uh, I really like this quote that concluded this article uh, from the Orange County, Orange County Register. Again, this is from uh, Professor Hyatt. Um, he says, the goals are just 
too far-fetched and unrealistic. Unless you want to inflict major economic pain, he said hi to USC. The problem is so much political capital has been built into this that no one wants to admit they did something wrong, just push forward until something breaks. But do you actually expect either Assemblywoman Addis or State Senator Laird? Not to be on this bandwagon? Oh, they're going to certainly be on this bandwagon. But guess what? They are representatives. And, uh, for example, even in a uh, you know totalitarian state, eventually people made enough noise, for example, in China about the, the silliness of these lockdowns that they stopped. Mm. Don, uh, so I yeah. think it's going to take a lot of hard work because, again... The easy thing is to make these grand pronouncements. The hard thing is to actually make them real. Don, what else do you want to say? Well, the last thing is that even in the governor's proposal, I didn't hear any comment about hybrids. And so we're just going to jump from gasoline to all electric, and hybrids aren't even going to be allowed. I mean, the whole proposal was preposterous, but... Uh. That's Agreed. Agreed. And Don, thank you. Is he right about the hybrids? Yeah, they, we need hybrids. That should be actually what we're what we should be emphasizing. We should be offering, you know, essentially uh, incentives to reduce the cost difference between a regular car and a hybrid car. Why? Because you're going to use less gas. And and again, it's phenomenal about how much energy is carried in that gas. Take a Prius, uh, which is a hybrid car. Uh, I understand the cruising range uh, is like 600 miles on a tank of gasoline. Now, that is something that California should be working for it because the, if the goal is to clean up the environment, hybrids are a darn good way to go. And uh, uh, again, Toyota has really been a leader on that. Now, here we, here's what we have. We have a new regulation. 35% of all new 2026 car models sold in California must be zero emissions. That's a pretty high challenge, doctor. It's impossible. It's impossible. Uh, it just really this. I, I want to talk a little bit more about a, a simple little spreadsheet exercise I did. Sure. I wanted to look at uh, what it would, t- how much the grid would have to expand if we use the minimum power draw and we use the smallest Tesla, but we're going to get forty million of those things. So uh, again, this is the Model Three, which has a whopping 272 mile range, uh, a far cry from that 600 miles we were just talking about with the the Prius. And uh, this uh, car can be charged through a plug-in adapter that plugs into a regular 15 amp circuit. How much time does it take? Three to four days to charge up your your Tesla Model Three. But we're going to use that as the most modest power demand from the system. We're going to just simply take the product of 40 million cars times 1.8 kilowatts times the number of hours in a year, and you come up with 631 terawatt hours. Now, what's a terawatt hour? That's a billion kilowatt hours. And right now, California, for the last couple of decades, has been pretty stable at about 300 terawatt hours. So they're proposing a system that will require twice build out to, a, to a, a grid that's three times as big as it is now, just for the cars. We're not talking about the gas stoves, yeah. just the cars. On the Stolberg-Tatum text line, listeners asking how you feel about having solar panels on houses. It's a waste. It's a waste. And the reason why is we're already paying adjoining states 
billions of dollars, not millions of dollars, but billions of dollars to take our excess power on, on sunny days in the middle of summer. And that, to me, says the system is already saturated. It's saturated because we're having to pay places to take our excess power. And why add more to it? Well, it's really, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm not known for mincing words. This really seems like a Ponzi scheme to me. That is to say, the people that got in early got the maximum economic benefits, but eventually people are going to be left holding the bag. Um, and that's just, the, you know, the ordinary uh, people that are, you know, coming in now. Um, it's not a good idea. All right. We are in conversation with Dr. Gene Nelson, getting his take on this recent article at uh, calmatters.org about the status of our power grid in California and whether it's in good enough shape to handle the expected expansion once we shift over to more electric cars and even get rid of gas stoves in our kitchen. We'll come back for a final segment. We're live. We're local. This is Hometown Radio. Well, I'm glad you're joining us this afternoon. I think this is a very important discussion. Always good to be in conversation, Dr. Gene Nelson. We don't mean to be alarmists. Okay, uh, Governor Newsom wants us to go to electric cars. He wants to get rid of fossil fuel cars. There's a lot of uh, policymakers in California that want to get us away from gas stoves and get onto electric stoves. Fine. But do we have the grid in place? Do we have plans to expand the grid so that we can handle the increased demand? I think that is a legitimate question. And Dr. Nelson is here to argue that it is a cause for concern. If you want in on this conversation, though, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. I guess the big question, Dr. Nelson, what's the consequences? We end up with electric cars, we get rid of all the gas stoves, but the grid fails us. What does that mean for our daily lives? Well, it would be a lot of misery for our daily lives. But I want to look at a little natural experiment that's been going on uh, here in California. We, We did away with San Onofre back in 2012. And right now, we're seeing gas bills that are three times what they were last year. And that's just, it's all about the economic law of supply and demand. Um, the uh, places aren't able to export as much gas into the state. And so gas prices have gone up. That means electricity prices are going up. Um, this is really, to, to me, this is foolish. We have, you know, here's our nation. We have all these abundant energy resources. And then we have a bunch of bureaucrats saying, oh, you can't use them. And that is wrong. So when the grid fails, that means more brownouts. No, 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 no. We're talking about people losing their lives. Well, it's not uh, just elaborate, brownouts. Elaborate. Well, well the, we have people, for example, that are uh, dependent on electricity for their medical equipment. Oh, I see. Okay. And without that electricity, uh, they're dead. And you know, they're, they're, you know, we, we had actually with the... Uh, uh, winter storm Yuri, about a thousand Texans lost their lives because of unreliable power. Uh, it's much higher than the official number, which was about 200. Um, and again, this is our most vulnerable people 
that are 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 going to be in trouble if we don't have a reliable grid. North County Jim is trying to call me on my cell phone. Jim, call the show, 805-543-8830. On the Stolberg-Tatum text line, we have to remember why we have the urgency to reduce CO2 is to slow climate change. We're getting very close to an infle- infection infect- inflection point with severe consequences. I, I think that's alarmist talk. Um, we don't see those kinds of inflection points in the near future. And I, I recommend a good book. It's called Apocalypse Never by Michael Schellenberger. Um, that, and he really goes through uh, very careful, reasoned arguments as to why the Earth's climate is a lot more stable than some of these alarmist models. And they really are alarmist models. And what's really odd about these alarmist models is you go back to 1970, they're saying, oh, we've only got 10, 20 years before the whole thing falls apart. Guess what? It didn't fall apart. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, terri- uh, I'm, I'm terribly saddened to have to break that news. On the text Tatum text line, uh, what about hydrogen-powered cars? Is that possible? Oh, that's a wonderful one. Um, there, um, I recommend an article that appeared in the Los Angeles Times called something, I don't have the t- exact title memorized, but it said, Hydrogen Cars, Highway to Nowhere. And it talked about some of the problems. This article came out uh, in 2021. All right. Uh, we found North County Jim. Hey, Jim. Hello, David. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. Hi. Hello. Finding somebody with common sense. It's junk science, all of it. How so? How so? Well, like he's been saying, the things that they, they dictated are going to happen in 20, 30 years. Uh, actually, fossil fuels aren't as dangerous as they claim they are. Uh, belching cows, uh, another thing that supposedly uh, this guy from uh, the computer business is going to take on. When they don't realize that, you know, in the 1800s, there were 65, 70 million head of buffalo in this country, not including the elk and deer and everything else that belches. And now there's 95 million head of cattle in this country. That's about right estimate 95 million so no everything gets cleaned out it just has to be managed properly that's all i don't believe in using pesticides and insecticides or i should say herbicides and and insecticides as much as they do but nevertheless if it's properly controlled it can be properly managed doctor uh that's a, a good general rule is uh let's use what's been working and we let's make our changes gradually not these, you know, some arbitrary thing that's that's uh, often pushed by some extreme group, um, you know, so the, for whatever their reason. What else, Jim? Well, that's that's the other problem. There are a lot of people involved in these these uh, claims that are just activists. They're not really professionals. Yep, yeah. And that's yep. that's a, that's a, that's the biggest issue. They yell and yell and yell. And, you know, people don't want to hear the yelling, but they're going to have to say stop yelling and just pay attention to reality. And then the other fact, you know, you have PG&E, Edison, and all these other uh, the multinational corporations are on the electric business. They love the idea. And then you're, and then obviously you're, you're you know, hamstrung. You're, you're literally, your Achilles tendon is cut if these people don't let you use any alternative fuel apart from uh, electricity continuously. It just, it just can't support it. Is that right? Yeah. Well, that's, we talked about that before, about having at least two grids 
Uh, and, and again, most homes in San Luis Obispo right now do, uh, and that's the way it should continue. All right, uh, Jim, thanks for the call. Let's squeeze in Peggy in San Luis. Hi, Peggy. Hi. Um, Hi. I enjoyed listening to your guest up until the point when he's saying, oh, climate disaster isn't really happening at the pace it's happening. We are in the sixth mass, mass extinction. And your other, the person who just called us talking about scientists aren't talking about the problems. Well, yes, scientists are. I recommend your listeners read the book by Richard Oppenlander, Comfortably Unaware. And there's plenty of scientists who know the facts. And so I'm sorry. I just can't give that much credence to your guest. Doctor, defend yourself. Well, uh, again, you've, you've, you've cited somebody whose uh, name I'm not familiar with. Uh, I'm... I really don't see the changes that these alarmist, uh, this alarmist rhetoric is really, uh, it's, it's way over the top. But what if they're right? They're not. They're not right because you can see this if you just, again, go back to 1970 and you hear the same alarmist rhetoric. You hear the same alarmist rhetoric and you know, the same time scales, and it's like, oh, nobody is willing to say, Oh, we were wrong. Peggy? So you don't think we're in the sixth mass extinction, nope, huh? Nope. No way. No way, Jose. Well, a lot of people disagree with you. Thank you, sir. All, All right, right. Thank Peggy. you. Thanks for the call. Thanks for listening. I got about 50 seconds, Dr. Nelson, for you to give us a final thought about the status of the power grid. Well, it's really vital that people start speaking up about, about keeping this system resilient uh, so it can can withstand natural disasters. Uh, having the redundancy to have both gas and electric is literally a lifesaver, uh, and it saved lots of lives already. Uh, and uh, we really need to push back against. Really, it's a decision-making elite that that you know maybe they they have no problem with paying the costs, but ordinary people like you and I really can't pay for these flights of fancy and we need to push back and i would encourage people to go online and read the article that prompted this conversation it's at calmatters.org pretty reliable source i think about the status of the power grid in california dr nelson thank you for your time thank you dave off we go we've got news and traffic and weather we spend the five o'clock hour with the folks from caltrans plenty to talk about we'll include you as well this is hometown radio The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.